0: Good morning. Um, I feel the need and desire to pray. Pray with me, if <clears throat> please. <clears throat> Father, we come before you and give you these next few uh, next few moments to guide our thoughts, God and. Uh, I pray that you would free us from distraction, God, I confess before you, and before these people, Father, that I'm, I don't know, Father, distracted, distant, Father, I pray that you would just draw us into your presence and expose your word to us, Father, the truth of who you are, the truth of your son, Jesus, and that would be brought to bear on every aspect of our lives, Father. God, your word and your son and all that that is, Father, is so important to penetrate all of our being, Father, and I pray now that you would cause that, allow that, whatever, Father, just make that happen inside of our souls, Father. God, we trust you alone. We give you all of the glory and all the praise and all the honor for what you're going to do. I've got to pray now that our minds would be centrally focused on your son, Jesus, and what it is you have to say to us this morning about him. In Christ's name, amen. So if you have your Bible, you can open it to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's some in the back. We'd love to, to give you one. If, you don't, if you've got lots of Bibles and just don't have an ESV translation take that one with you. Or if you don't have a Bible, we'd like for you to, to have that one. Uh, and if you don't have one, just raise your hand and somebody will, will bring one to you. We'd love to to let you have a Bible this morning. And the verses are going to be on the screen as well. Um, so as we're, we're starting out this series on Colossians this morning, um, and we've titled it Centered on Jesus, because everything about the book of Colossians is central to Christ and who He is. And we'll talk about that this morning. But we want to put something in your hands this morning, and Kyle and Mandy are going to pass around uh, just a document that kind of spells out the, the background of the of the book of Colossians. So they're just going to pass it out down each row. And it's on some thick cardstock, so the, the vision, the, the idea of what we want to do here is for you to to stick this in your Bible, stick this in your journal, stick this someplace. You're going to have it for the duration of of this sermon series. And, and more than that, that you would have this for... We want to encourage you to, to read this entire book consistently, maybe once a week, read it from chapter one to the very end of the book. And before you do, especially pay attention to those themes. The The thing is kind of broken out, the document you're holding is kind of broken out into two subsections. One is talking about the background and one is the themes. Especially read through those themes and try and find those themes as you read. The, the, the idea here is that Background and themes and knowledge of what is going on in the book kind of go from, from regular definition to high definition. If you're looking, watching a baseball game in, in regular definition versus high definition, then you can tell a distinct difference. And reading scripture, understanding the themes and understanding the background of the whole of the book really bring the book into HD for us. And so that's why this document is in front of you. And also, I know a lot of you guys have, uh, like, follow along. For, through a sermon, reading through your Bible on your phones. We have a text ready to be sent to you with this image on it. So if, if that's what you do, um, somewhere around you are these cards. Write down on the, write your name and write your cell number and then write, please text me the image. And we would love to text that to you so that as you read through your Bible on your phone or your iPad or whatever, you've got that image to call up, to look at, to read before you read. All right? Um, and we're doing this at the, I'm doing this at the beginning because I, I want us to, to fully grasp that just reading Scripture is, is good, but it's not great for what it can be. And what we want to do is, is bring this Colossians to life so that we can see who the Colossians were and who Paul was and what Paul intended to speak to the Colossians. And ultimately, the big picture of, of what he's trying to speak to the Colossians in one simple sentence is Jesus is the center. We'll talk through some of the background in the first eight verses of Colossians this morning, but ultimately, that's, that's the point. What you're holding in front of you is all pointing to the idea that Jesus is the center. And Dave mentioned it in the call to worship. I mentioned it in my prayer, that what we want to do, what we want to this Colossians to, to accomplish over the next 10 weeks is for us to bring to bear The notion that Jesus is center. Think of an aspect of your life. We want to bring to bear the fact that Jesus Christ is the center of that aspect of your life in every way. All that Jesus is and all that you are is pointing us to this idea that Jesus is the center. That's what this book is about. That's what Paul is trying to communicate to the Colossians. And that's what God is trying to communicate to us. That we would bring the light of the gospel. We would bring the light of of Christ, to bear on everything in our lives, from the mundane to the most important things that that move our hearts, Jesus is the center of everything so let 's do a little background information here um, let's let 's look at at this card that that you were given there, the background of the book it's um, just kind of Read through this with you and, and do a little commentary on, on what you've got there. The background of a book, any book, is very important because we see what's happening to the original hearers. Background is p- particularly important in the epistles because, and, and that's what you're holding, by the way. Colossians is an epistle. It's a, I'll, I'll refer to it during this, this series as a book and I'll refer to it as a letter, but ultimately it's a letter written by Paul to a church in a city called Colossae, right? And Colossae is a, it's, it's a central part of, of the world. And Ephesus is to the left and Laodicea is, is to the right or west and east. Uh, pardon me there. <laughs> to the west and to the east. And those are really important central figures. But, but Colossians kind of sits in the middle of those. And if you remember your Bible history, probably you don't. That's why I'm here. Um, Ephesians was a church that Paul started and preached at for about four years. And Timothy kind of took it over after he got finished, after he left to go do other things, okay? And what happened in the book of Colossians is this. A guy named Epaphras, and we'll read his name in, throughout the, the book, and you'll hear his name a lot. He was a, a very well-to-do person who lived in Colossae. He went on business one day on a trip. And you don't, in this day, you didn't go on a, a trip for just a day. That was like a long extended period because it was so hard to travel. He went on an extended trip to Ephesus. And while he was there, he heard Paul preaching. While he was there, he heard Paul preaching, and it really just connected with his soul and connected with his heart. And it changed who he was. Paul preached the gospel. Epaphras believed it. And Epaphras just got alongside of Paul. And so what happened was, Paul and Epaphras developed this relationship, and Epaphras left Ephesus to go to Colossae to start a church. All right? This is Central for us to understand as we read through the book of Colossians. Paul never, most likely, Paul never went and preached or knew any of the people other than Epaphras and a few other leaders. He never knew anybody personally at the church in Colossae. But he knew of them through Epaphras. And Epaphras would travel to Ephesus every once in a while to just glean apostleship, glean teaching from Paul, and take it back to the church in Colossae. This particular time, Paul goes back, or Epaphras goes back to Ephesus to talk to Paul and tells him what's happening. And because based on what Epaphras tells Paul, Paul writes the book of Colossians to refute and to teach some of the things that are going on in the church. You follow all that? It's important to know, and and that's sort of the background stuff that you have there in front of you. And it's it's really important, brings the whole book of Colossians into HD for us to to fully grasp and understand what's happening in this book. All right? Um, So uh, more information here. The book, the church in Colossae was probably started around 52, 53 AD. Most scholars believe it it was written in or the church was started in 53 AD. Nine years later in 62 AD is when the book of Colossians was written. So it's very interesting. It's very similar to like our stage of life, Alright? We're almost seven years old as a church. So in a, in a very similar season that we come, we've God has blessed us with some things. God has is, is given us some hardships with some things. And God has persevered us to be solidified as a church here seven years later. And now we come to the book of Colossians and we can apply a lot of this stuff because as we begin to go out into the community, as we begin to serve, as we begin to, to grow more than just a, a few people, this is important for us to kind of reset ourselves to this idea that Christ is the center. And it's um, Kyle has put this slide together. He does a great job putting our slides together, and, and it's every one of these slides is more than just aesthetics. There's something that to be taught here. You see, that's like a Google Map that we're seeing there, right? Because we can get distracted driving down different roads, different areas, different places that are good to, to drive down for us to go and serve the community is great. To go and, and love our spouses well is great. To go and parent our children well is great. To go and, and connect in our workplace, to, to, to bring the gospel there. And, and all these things and all the stuff that we're doing in our world as North Church is great. But we have to, to center around Christ. We have to bring our, every aspect of our lives as people and every aspect of our lives as a church. We have to bring the role of Christ, this, that Christ is the center to bear on that. And that's the idea of the red mark in the middle. That's where we are, that's where we center from, that's where we leave from all the time. And this is the idea, the notion behind the slide and the notion behind the book of Colossians is that we would, we would come to grips with that. The, the last paragraph that's in, on your, your book there talks about a false teaching, or not your book, your, your document there, um, talks about a false teaching that was present. It's not really... Sh- sh- clear to what that false teaching exactly was. So a false teaching looks like this. Epaphras is, is the pastor of the church. In this area, the pastor wasn't always there all the time at the church, and so sometimes people around the community or the, the vibe of the city would begin to, to hear and accept other teaching outside of scripture or outside of what the pastor was directing and leading. And this is what had happened in the church in Colossae. We're not really sure exactly what it was, but it has something to do with the fact that they had lost Christ as the center. Most likely, here's what it was. You, you may have heard this term before, a Judaizer. A Judaizer was kind of a mix between a Christian and a Jew at that point. You guys remember your Old Testament scripture and your early New Testament stuff, Jesus comes, and he's at war at odds with the Jewish tradition, and he brings about this new faith uh, called Christianity. It wasn't called Christianity. They were followers of Christ until that. And so the Judaizers kind of marry both of those things, that Christ is central. Christ is who he said he was. Christ is God. Christ died and he rose. The Judaizers would confess that. But they wouldn't say that faith in that, faith in Christ, was the only thing that would save you. You would need to, to be circumcised. You need to follow all the law and follow Christ. Most likely, this is the teaching that is the false teaching that's there. And the Judaizers are everywhere in in a lot of the epistles. And each one of the epistles was written to a city. Ephesus, Ephesians, Colossians, Colossae, all those things. Philippians, Philippi, they were all written to different cities. And the Judaizers were attacking each one of those cities because they were steeped in their tradition of Judaism, but believed in Christ, but didn't want to believe in the the all-sufficiency of Christ, that there was still some religious activity that needed to happen. And this book is trying to defeat that belief, defeat the Colossae teaching that the Judaizers were saying that Christ is not enough, Christ is not the all, Christ is not everything, which is why we see Paul teaching over and over again that Christ is the center. All right? That is the the heart of, of the background. Now, let's look at some of the themes. And again, as you read this book of Colossians, and, and I want you to, in, in your bulletin, to, do, to engage God this week is to read through Colossians from start to finish at least once this week. Before you do, I'd like for you to read these themes and then look for them to pop out, all right? The themes are very simple. Jesus is preeminent, Lord of all. Preeminent is a big word. It just means he is in charge of everything. Everything is submissive, submissive to him. Jesus is preeminent over everything, and I've I've said this phrase over and over already this morning we want to bring Jesus to bear on everything for Jesus to be preeminent in our lives we're bringing him to bear on everything meaning whatever it is in our lives any aspect, any trait, anything that's going on in our lives Jesus has to speak to that and that's, that's really big. And I, I stand up, stood up here this morning and talked about being distracted and, and confessed to you and confessed to God that I was distracted. And all of us were back there praying. We're talking about being distracted because I really believe that something, God is going to do something different, change us in some way through the course of the series, all right? This next few minutes is completely unplanned, so bear with me. Uh, <clears throat> like... Sin is present in my heart all the time. And it frustrates me sometimes. And other times I'm just really comfortable with it. The last few weeks, that's been true of me. And the the point is, is that Christ has not been brought to bear on every aspect of my life. And what he wants to speak to me, his gospel, his I love you, you're accepted, you're sinful, be changed by that. It has not been brought to bear on everything in my life consistently. And chances are, not chances are, I guarantee that's not the case in your life. And this is the the point of the whole book of Colossians, the point of your existence is for the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, his being sent, his sending you, Everything about him is the intent is for it to be brought to bear on our lives and change all that we are. And I, I confess to you that this morning, I, Jen and I got in a fight and we were screaming at each other. And I said, there, I've got more important things to do today than to argue with you conversation happened about 7 30 this morning and i like the gospel's got to be brought to bear on how I speak to my wife the gospel's got to be brought to bear on how I raise my children with how I speak to my wife the gospel has got to be brought to bear on the way that that I prepare to come and proclaim the gospel to you all. Jesus is the center. But many times, undistracted, unthinking of the gospel, I am the center. How I feel in this moment brings to bear on how I respond now. How I respond to my wife is brought to bear either by Christ or by my flesh. And we've, we've got to understand that. And in the moment, as we're responding with our flesh bringing to bear how we're responding, we've got to acknowledge that. And we've got to trust people around us. We've got to trust the Spirit of God in us. We've got to trust the Scripture enough to allow it to be brought to bear. To not cling to our rights, but instead see Jesus. He's everything. And it's not a religious activity. It is for your own joy. One of the worst things for me, and probably the most paralyzing thing where I just want to curl up in a ball is when I fight with my wife. I want to curl up in a ball. I, I don't want to... It's 7.30 this morning. The last thing I want to do is come to this church. Because my, my flesh is winning and speaking and bringing to bear how I'm responding. But Jesus is bigger than that. And, and what that leaves me with is alone, by myself, outside of relationship with you, outside of relationship with my wife, outside of relationship with my God. This, the, the point is, is this bringing Jesus to bear on every aspect of our lives is not a religious activity. It's for your own joy. And joy is is a lot of times a silly Christian church word. It's just sheer and utter happiness and contentment of soul. And I long for that. We all long for that. We labor and we suffer for that. And what Paul is trying to teach to the church in Colossae, and in return us, bring Jesus to bear on everything in your life, and what follows is this abiding deep contentment, joy, happiness, whatever you want to call it. If you, if you don't like joy, like I don't like joy, you call it something else. Deep, exuberant contentment. This is what bringing to bear Jesus on every aspect of our lives brings to us. So let's look at these themes, and then we'll get into the scriptures here. First, Jesus is preeminent over, and Lord over all. Second, Jesus is the head of the church, its example. If you want to know how to be a church member, if you want to know what a church is supposed to be about, follow Jesus. That image is perfect. If you want to know where to go, Jesus is your example. He's the head of who we are. Number three, Jesus is the center of all that we do and all that we are. I feel like that's what I've been screaming about for the last 10 minutes. Number four, in Jesus' mission, we find our mission. You want to know what you're supposed to do? Go look at the Gospels, especially the, the Gospel of John. Read John. What was Jesus doing? Go do that. We'll talk about that in a second. And then lastly, five, maturity is found in Jesus. Maturity is found in Jesus. So as you read this book over the next 10 weeks, push those things in front of your mind. So let's get into get into the book. Verse one and two, Paul. It that's how authors signed letters at this point. They signed them at the beginning, and then says who he is. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother. I want to stop for just a second and define this word apostle. Um, you guys have probably heard this word before, and sometimes you might have even gotten it confused with apostles and disciples and who are the 12 apostles, who are the 12 disciples, what's the difference? This word, what apostle means here, is someone who is responsible for the well-being of a church. Ultimately, practically, it looks kind of like this. Paul is up here, and then the pastors of each one of the churches in the area are down here. So they gain their, their, their sense of direction, their mentorship. They're being discipled by this apostle. So if somebody has apostolic gifts, that someone is helping to lead leaders. Okay? So the leader of a church in this culture is a pastor, elder, deacon, teacher. Those were the synonymous words. And those people, those pastors were being led by apostles. All right? That's what this word apostle means here. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colosse, grace to you and peace from God our Father. I want to focus in on, on one phrase here, faithful brothers. What does this mean? It means that we are all connected in Christ. I said it, in, and when we're talking about the background, that Paul never, ever, went to the church in Colossae. He might have known five or six people who were at the church in Colossae, but here he is writing this this letter that becomes a book in scripture to this church because he's connected to these people because faithful brothers means that everywhere on this planet today there are people gathering together to to preach, to gather together to to hear churches everywhere gathering together and we're all pulling in the same direction. That's what this idea faithful brothers means. That's what motivates Paul to write this letter because he is connected with these people. For us, it means this. Um, you guys might know Dave and Kelly Harry, right? Dave and Kelly Harry when they're here, they're they're foreign missionaries in Asia, okay? And when they're stateside for a few months, they come to this church and we pray for them consistently. They're our faithful brothers. If we were writing letters, we might write a letter to Dave and Kelly. All right? I want to tell you something that's going on in their world. This is us getting a chance to be faithful brothers. Tell you something that's going on in Dave and Kelly's world. Kelly is pregnant, and Kelly's due in mid-October sometimes. Somebody help me if, if I'm getting these dates or something wrong. I think it's mid-October. Um, and she is currently experiencing some pretty rough contractions, which doctors have told her May bring the baby early. So, we have been praying. If you get their newsletter, she's asked for prayer that God would not bring the baby early. God would help this baby stay in. <clears throat> she's tra- the problem is, where they are, there's not a lot of doctors. They've traveled from where, where they live to Thailand to try and find a doctor, and the doctor, they're, they're not really confident in who this doctor is in Thailand, so they're just really nervous and really scared. But ultimately, these are hard contractions. So, what I'd like for us to do, Faithful Brothers, is to voice a prayer for Dave, in particular, Kelly, and for doctors around there. Somebody do that. This isn't, hopefully this isn't weird for us to actually pray in the middle of a sermon. But let's, let's do that. Who would, who would be willing to pray for Dave and Kelly and doctors in this pregnancy? Thank you. Go ahead. Because, uh, we know that you are sovereign God and that nothing is happening in their lives. show your glory. And I pray, Lord, that their eyes and their hearts will be focused on you um, and that they will, in the midst of this, be a witness to all that to come in contact. We do pray very practically um, for it, that this child would stay in the room long enough to uh, be healthier. But, Lord, we know that um, you've you formed that child in the We just pray that their focus would be on you, their trust would be on you, and they would, would just rest in that peace that you have given them in Christ Jesus. We pray these things his name. Thank you, Kathleen. Um, another instance for us. Uh, you guys might be aware that we are helping out a church called Christ Church. They're in their uh, Brentwood, Richmond Heights area. They've been meeting as a core group for now for I don't know, six or nine months or so, something like that. They were involved. They came to our, our Christmas party, uh, the two leaders of that church and, and uh, their wives and kids. And so um, they've been meeting for six to nine months, gathering a core, and he's been teaching sort of foundational practices for their church, and they launched two weeks from today. Um, we've been, I've been meeting Judd as their pastor and Scott as their worship leader. I've been meeting with those two guys for probably a year now, moving forward and, and helping to coach and direct and, and guide them apostle-type stuff there. And so they launch in two weeks. And been talking on the phone quite a bit with Judd in the last couple of weeks about just nervousness and, and how do I stay true to the mission but, but still try and get her name out and just trying to comprehend this whole idea. And, and he's just really struggling, really wrestling through what it means to go and launch out of church. He's been running with 20 or so people in their core group for the last six to nine months, and, and that's just like his his stride and where he lives and where he wants to be. Very similar to me in that way. But uh, but now they're about to go and launch, and so this is a very nervous time, and he wants to be true to who he is, but still at the same time press on to the mission that God has given to him. So um, Christ Church, two weeks launching today. These are our faithful brothers. Um, encourage you to uh, find Judd on Facebook. Talk to me. Find his 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 phone number. He'd love for you to send him text, pray for him, encourage him in these next couple of weeks as as the stress level begins to breathe and, and, and expand. So uh, somebody pray for, for Judd and for Scott and for Christ Church, our faithful brothers. Dave. So a couple of things that, that happen for us as we're talking about this idea, this notion of faithful brothers and that this is a, a big world and God has given us a part in, in this portion of, of where we are and where we're living is that Christ is, is the center of all this but, but it's not just about us. It's, it's, it's bigger than anything we could ever be and, and the, the, the idea is that Jesus, just as he was sent by the Father has, and sent his disciples, that, has, that cycle has continued forever and Jesus has sent us. And Jesus has sent us into our communities. He sent us to go and have an effect on people like Scott and Judd and the people that are a part of that church. Maybe it, it'll just work out that maybe you, you even live close to, to Richmond, Heights, Richmond Heights or, or Brentwood and you, you go and be with them. Or maybe God is calling you to go and serve in that church for the first couple of months. Go, go to that church for two months and be there. Help to serve their kids. Help to serve passing out bulletins, whatever. There's so many things that, to start a church that are happening in the first couple of weeks that just really hard. Some at Community Church, you guys might remember that. They planted us seven years ago. You guys might remember that they had a guy come out and he like led our greeting ministry for the first three weeks. You guys might not even remember that. It, it's something that just dawned on me this week. I'd even forgotten about the guy that came out and, and helped us to know what to do, how to do, how to be, and God is calling us to be that for people, to be sent, to be these faithful brothers, all right? This is practical, how we can bring Jesus to bear on every aspect of our lives. Maybe that looks like you going to Christchurch for three weeks or a month or ever, Alright? Because faithful brothers, we're all pulling, pushing this rock the same direction. Alright? Verse three. Let's skip down to verse three and we're gonna kinda center around Christ. He really begins to start talking about Christ. And this is where these themes that we talked about, knowing what these themes are and looking for these themes, kinda bring this thing into H D here. So let's let's look for Christ as a center and what he's speaking here in these verses three through six. First. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. This is bringing Christ to bear on our lives of prayer, our prayers. Jesus teaching us, guiding us, being part of our prayers. Do we think about that when we pray? That Jesus is central even to our prayers. We always thank God, we always thank Christ when we pray for you. Who you are, our relationship to you, our prayers are centered around Christ. Verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints, Jesus is the object of our faith. And if this, all, that we're, all this is about is, is faith... And if he is the object of our faith, he is the center of everything. All of our trust, if, if, if Christ is removed everything we've ever done as a church, just crumbles. It's worthless. It's pointless. That's what Jesus being the object of our faith really means and what it's all about. Verse 5. More continuing on this idea that Jesus is central. Because of the hope laid up for you, in heaven, this is the future for us. Christ is at the center of our future. And not our future as in next week, but our future as in, in heaven. Christ has established it, established his kingdom in heaven that we will reign in one day. We will experience one day. Jesus is at the center of our future. Of this you have heard before the word of truth, the gospel. Jesus calls himself in, in John 14, 6, the truth. That word truth is aletheia. That's the Greek word. It means that which is true in any matter of consideration. It's rock, steady truth that doesn't change. And here, Jesus is the truth. And this is something that just is, is always kind of wrestling in my brain, just a glorious thought that in this world, everywhere, people are seeking and searching out for something to be strong, steady, unchanging, as we wrestle with bills to pay, or as we wrestle with what's happening even in Syria, or as we wrestle with how we're supposed to respond, and and Obama's response yesterday, and we wrestle with with all all the different things in the world, uncertainty, tragedy difficulty hardships great all those things that we wrestle with Jesus is this truth this true under any matter of consideration no matter what happens to Christ church no matter what happens to north church no matter what happens to your marriage no matter what happens to kelly harry's unborn child no matter what happens the truth is Christ and he's unchanging and he's worthy of following worthy of bringing that to bear that there's nothing in this world that can change the fact that Christ is the son of God who came to this earth to live a perfect life and die a gruesome death so that we might have relationship with God that is an unchanging fact that is the truth and that's the truth of Christ that has to be brought to bear on all we say, all we do, all we think all that we are Jesus is the sinner. I think I need to enunciate that better. Jesus is the center. He's not the sinner. Sorry. Verse 6 <clears throat> Which has come to you, indeed, the whole world, bearing its fruit and growing, and also it does among you. This is the truth, the gospel is that which is bearing fruit. And so, Jesus, as the center of our lives, brings maturity to us, brings growth to us. What are we doing here? What is a sermon about? What is studying the truth of Scripture about? What is following Christ about? It's maturing, growing in our Christ-likeness. It's, that's the purpose. That's the point of, of study here, is that it would come and have an impact on who we are and how we view life and how we change. It would grow and bear fruit among us. Skip down to verse 7, and I want us to, to change our, what we're looking for here to being sent by Jesus. One of the themes is Jesus' mission is our mission. Here, verses 7 and 8 really speak to that. Jesus' mission is our mission. Jesus gave that mission to Paul on his road to Damascus. Paul was going to Damascus to kill Christians. Jesus, appeared, Jesus literally appeared to him and said, stop, go and preach my gospel. So Jesus' mission became Paul's mission on a very real vision that Paul had walking down a road going to try and kill Christians, all right? Now, Paul has taken that mission to go to Epaphras, and he's preaching in Ephesus when Epaphras comes to him and hears the gospel and says, I, I can envision this conversation happening, Paul's done preaching, he's exhausted, and he's standing up in front of people, and Epaphras walks up to him and says, Wow, man, that was great. Teach me how to do this. Something like that happened to cause Epaphras to go to Colossae to, to start this church in Colossians. Jesus' mission becomes Epaphras's, becomes Paul's mission, and that becomes Epaphras' mission. Just like Jesus, just like Paul encountered Christ on the road to Damascus, Epaphras encounters Jesus through Paul in this church in Ephesus. And he goes and does the same thing in Colossians. And all of our lives are like that. For me in particular, God called me into ministry. I worked as a youth pastor for seven years. And in the midst of that, God called me to go and start this church. And at some point, God called you to come and be here some of you to connect and be members and be a part of what God is pulling here. Jesus' mission becomes our mission, to go and be sent. If, if you're here to go and, and be and just sit here and be filled and, and write notes and have a place to have friends to, to come to your house on Friday nights to have dinner, if that's the purpose of our existence, we, we really don't want you to be part of this church. You, you, we don't want you to come and just, to just suck up, to be a sponge. What we want to be a part of is to go and be sent, to go and be on mission, to encounter Christ and allow Jesus' mission to become our mission. And the point of, of verse 7 for us today is to see Paul encountering Christ on the road to Damascus, Epaphras encountering Paul, who encountered Christ, and then he went and was sent. For all of us, it's about being sent. Maybe that looks like going someplace. Maybe that looks like being encouraged here and connecting with neighbors. Maybe that looks like something else. That's not. That's for the Spirit of God to speak to your heart. And then it's our job as leaders of this church to help to nurture that, to make it happen, to go and make it happen, to go and be sent. But the, perp- the point here is that you are sent. Let's read verse 7. Just as you learned it from Epaphras. He's speaking to the church in Colosse. Imagine John Ryan, who mentored me and taught me how to plant a church, writing this to you. He's the pastor of Summit, by the way. This is, that's the, to, to bring this to bear on our situation. Just as you learned how to be sent from Rick, who learned it from me, go and, and be he is a faithful minister of Christ. This is us. Our goal is to be a minister of Christ. You guys know what that means, a minister? What that word? That's, that's the Greek word diakonos, deacon, to go and serve. So the point of gathering at the church in Colossae, the point of, of hearing a sermon from a Epaphras for the church, the church in Colossae, was so that they could be filled up to go and serve like a deacon, to go and lay down their life. That My life is not as important as the life of of those who God has placed around me. And as a result, I'm going to go and serve them. I'm going to go live a life served, ministering Christ, pouring Christ into their cup. Being filled, Having my mug filled so I can fill somebody else's cup. This is, the perp- this is the language here. This is what Paul is teaching these people in Colossae. And this is really important for us at the brink of what we're going to learn about centering around Christ. Is this notion that Paul has been sent by God. And then he sends Epaphras. And then Epaphras sends the people at Colossae. And now Paul is teaching the people at this church. And I am teaching us. That God is sending us. If we are here soaking up, we're missing the point. Our roles as centering around Christ, bringing the gospel to bear on everything in our lives, leaves us sent. That's massive for us. I want to end with this one thought from Matthew Henry. Uh, You've probably heard of the Matthew Henry commentary. This comes from that. The big theme of the book. The Colossians are cautioned against the devices of Judaizing teachers. There's our word, Judaizers. We talked about that a little bit ago. And also against the notions of carnal wisdom and human inventions and traditions. Read those things again. False teaching, Judaizing teachers, and also the notions of carnal wisdom, that is our flesh speaking to us. Remember me talking about my fight with my wife? Flesh was winning. Carnal wisdom was winning. False teaching, carnal wisdom human inventions, that which draws our attention to this world, the the worldly things that draw our attention, draw our minds away from Christ and onto the world, carnal intentions, our human inventions and traditions are not consistent with full reliance upon Christ. So ultimately, here's, here's the notion of the book that what he's talking about, just kind of walking around, whatever, thinking not focused on what you're supposed to be doing, and a big two by four across the Cross your forehead with the word Christ on it. That's what we're doing here. Snapping ourselves free. So we could center around Christ. Our hope, our prayer, our thought is that this, all of these things, all of these themes would come, explode in our minds and change who we are and how we live and how we're sent and how we we parent and, and how we were, were spouses and how we're friends and how we relate in community groups and how we relate at our children's games and in and, and our workplaces, and Christ will be brought to the center of everything. Christ is truly preeminent, whether you realize it or not. And when we practice our lives, with this idea that Christ is truly preeminent, Christ is truly the center. The result of that is not religious activity. The result of that is our own joy. Let's pray and get a chance to respond to our God. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. Father, you are... above us. God, I pray now that you would center our minds and our hearts around Christ. God, I pray you would bring to mind during this response time, you would bring to mind ways in which your son Jesus in his life have not been brought to bear And I pray you would cause us to change there, Father. Lord, we thank you. We trust you. We give our lives to you. In Christ's name, amen.